0: Well, we're recording.
1: Aren't you going to do your intro?
0: You want me to do an intro? Yeah. I thought you were. I thought you were taking over this episode.
1: Well, I'll take over it. I'll hijack it. Oh. So you start it, and then okay. I hijack.
0: I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So you but want you me have to, to
1: get me like on a roll first?
0: I have to get you on a roll. Yeah. Oh. So basically, it's just me interviewing you.
1: Well, you're going to start asking some questions, and then I'll find the opportune time to take control. Oh. I always do. Really. Yeah.
0: I've kind of noticed that about you over the years.
1: A control freak.
0: Eh, not a control freak. Just a freak. Just a freak. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun, where the weather is getting much, much nicer. And today, we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with none other than Christina Marino Archer, my wife, that's right, I've been out of town for quite a bit over the last month, I guess you'd say like maybe two out of the last three weeks I've either been traveling or on the road, doing Spartan races, driving the car down from Canada, whatever the thing was. So you and I really haven't had much of an opportunity to connect. So that's what we're going to do tonight. This is one of those things that every relationship needs, in case you were unaware of that. Hopefully you are not unaware of that. Everyone, everybody needs to have that connection in some way, shape, or form. And Christine and I, with everything that's been going on, we really haven't taken the time to just check in with one another and see what's going on. So how you doing, babes?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Just pretty good? Pretty good. Yeah? It's good to be next to you.
0: Yeah, it's good to be next to you, too. I had the opportunity to finally sleep in my own bed with my wife last night for the first time in quite some time.
1: Gee, yeah.
0: Yeah, four or five days it was. Yeah, just before just before leaving for the Tahoe Beast, Tahoe Spartan Race. Man, I did not want to get up.
1: It was so cozy.
0: It was so very cozy. And oh my warm. God. Yeah, it's finally cooling off here in Phoenix, so we weren't fighting the temperature. We're just all snuggled up in the bed, enjoying the morning. The alarm went off at 5 a.m., and I did not want to move. Nor did I. I don't think you did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I did move. I... I I turned around and started spooning you.
0: Um, is that, has that how it happened?
1: That's how it happened.
0: Are you sure about that? Yes. I thought that, pretty sure I got up and then I started packing and then I came back to bed. Are and you talking I, about this morning? No, the morning before I left.
1: Oh, the morning before. I was thinking of this morning.
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, we're five days ago.
1: Oh, gosh. You went all the way five days ago? Can well, you remember that you far can back? remember that far back. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Holy shit balls. It feels like it was five years ago. I've I know, done right? So much. With
0: everything that's been going on. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, so I got up and I was packing for the race because I had, that, I had to catch a plane at like, I don't know, nine something. Got to be there two hours early. So mm-hmm. that meant I had to leave from here pretty early. So I was up at five, wanted to pack real quick, take a shower, knock out some burpees, the morning routine, the whole nine. And halfway through the middle of it all, I just felt this gravity, this pull back to bed. So I went back in there, and you were just sound asleep, so toasty warm in there, and I just wanted to crawl back in. So I did. I crawled back in on your side. I had like six inches of space between your ass and the edge of the bed. <laughs> and I snuggled in there.
1: I remember that.
0: Were you awake? or Did I wake you up when I did that?
1: I just, you know, when you're in that twilight, type of state where you kind of know what's going on, but you're in a deep sleep. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was what was going on. I remember it. Cause I remember waking up and thinking how nice that was.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I got some brownie points for that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And then you, you also got me.
1: brownie points for leaving me home alone. Cause <laughs> I like being alone. <laughs> 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 Every now and then you need to be apart.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, that's that's definitely been our story, being mm. apart quite a bit, yeah? So you and I are both, I'd say we're both pretty headstrong, well, especially you.
1: <laughs> like attracts like, I guess.
0: Like attracts like, for sure. And we are both fairly headstrong. We both have an independent streak. So we, it that was actually kind of a gift that our relationship began the way it did, yeah?
1: I think so. I mean, we wouldn't have been able to, not many people do what we did, be apart. I still sometimes tell people, oh, I finally moved in with my husband after six years of being married. They're like, what? Yeah, we lived, uh, we were like part-time married, about six months of the year we were together and six months of the year we were apart. But it's, it was intermittent. I think we uh, we did a good job of just setting a vision and um, being on, on the same, what would you call it, the same bus? Same wavelength? The same wavelength on what we wanted to create and We were both uh, busy creating, you know, uh, different things within our careers. And here we are now, um, just about, what, a year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half living together Mm -hmm. under the same roof full time.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's been about a year and a half. I moved into the new house almost two years ago by myself. Concrete floors and all. Mm -hmm. Started a remodel. Maybe we should explain why we lived apart for as long as we did. For anyone tuning in who doesn't know our story, you want to shed some light on that?
1: Well, we uh, met and we were in California attending a seminar, like a personal development uh, seminar that was seven days, size seven. And we became friends. And so about three months later, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I got to come visit you. So I came down to Phoenix to visit you for the first time and you were just so much in love with me, and that was it. <laughs> oh, that's how it went down. Huh? I, well, just,
0: I was so much in love with you. That's how you remember it?
1: I think it was great because we were both going through lots of change in our life, and the fact that we weren't physically together, mm-hmm. we didn't allow that physical, I mean, that physical relationship couldn't start. So emotionally, we were able to, you know, we talked on the phone a ton, we Blackberry messengered each other a ton, and we got to know each other and... um that, you know, was the first layer of the base or the foundation for our relationship. So I think it was, it was part of the reason why we are able to be, um, apart. We, we really started the relationship apart.
0: Yeah, that's true. But in at the time when we were BBMing Blackberry Messenger, (laughs) it's so funny. You remember that? Yeah. Uh, at the time though, what were your thoughts? Like, did you Did you think that there was a potential, you know, that we would some, at some point, you know, end up married and all that kind of thing? I mean, you're living in Canada, I'm living in the States, we're separated by, you know, 1200, 1500 miles, whatever it is, and we're texting back and forth and talking on the phone occasionally. I mean, what were your thoughts on where this thing might go?
1: I didn't, I didn't think about marriage at first, because originally, I didn't really want to get married. Mm -hmm. You were on that same page. It wasn't until my sister got married and I witnessed that, that I changed my mind.
0: Okay. So that's interesting. What was it about your sister getting married that caused you to want to get married?
1: Well, I had never really been part of a a wedding before someone close to me where I got to be maid of honor. And then I'm watching my sister, you know, get walked down the aisle from my father and seeing that was almost just that moment in time where i thought you know what i i want this and it wasn't it wasn't just about the wedding in itself it was more around you know what at the time i i would say the ultimate commitment right um i wanted that i wanted to build a life with someone and i felt like marriage was going to encompass that commitment that I wanted so uh, that's when I went to you and I said I want to get married I know we talked about it and you don't want to get married but I'm just gonna throw this out there because if you don't want to get married then it's time to move different don't waste ways. my time baby <laughs> I was like it's probably better that we moved different ways yeah so maybe that was well that was kind of the test of whether we were going to continue and what path we were going to continue Mm-hmm. Really, I left that in your hands.
0: Mm-hmm. So for you, it was about the nostalgia of seeing your, or, or the nostalgia that you thought you could create by having a wedding as part of your memory, based on what you saw with your sister.
1: No, <laughs> or no. just triggered something
0: inside you, or it what? just
1: caused me to think about what I really want. Mm. Seeing that hap- her happiness, and then imagining my happiness, and thinking about that whole, you know, sacred union of marriage and what it can represent, it just started to, you know, roll around in my brain.
0: I don't think I've ever heard you use that phrase before. Sacred union. Sacred union. Your phrase was always ultimate commitment, as if there are degrees of commitment. There are. Explain, you have to explain your theory here for those of us not paying too much attention at home.
1: Well, I don't know that it's um, degrees of commitment because I was thinking about this. I think you posted that question and I never answered it, but I was pondering the question.
0: Which one? What is commitment? What is commitment? Yeah.
1: Or define commitment. I don't remember what What does commitment the, mean to you or something like that? What does commitment mean to you? Yeah. I think commitment is um, a decision you make. And you make that...
0: A decision or a choice? Or is there a difference in...
1: Well, you? I think you make a decision to commit to something, right? And then new decisions are made and that... And it, and it some it cuts off the commitment.
0: You lost me. New so decisions you, are made, and it cuts off. Yeah. So I
1: committed to turning left, and I'm going left until I make a decision that I have to turn right, and I turn right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Could you say that commitment is? I mean, it's. I guess. I guess that's kind of silly. I was just thinking, like you, commitment. You cut off. Right? Anything else that's possible in that moment. Mm, maybe. Right? Because then you move towards whatever it is that you're seeking. Yeah, maybe. Okay. So then there's small things that maybe aren't as important. Like I'm committing to have a cup of coffee this morning or a cup of tea. No big deal. Either one. Both of them have caffeine. taste different. Now my, just c- like my commitment to you, you know, I've committed to you and I've... Signed the papers, and <laughs> I see the future with you. And so, all those times where you piss me off, like you wouldn't believe, and we get mad—that never happens. You know, I—I
0: I never, I've never pissed it's anyone. It's not an off. option for me to say, <laughs> oh,
1: I'm gonna move out" because my commitment to you and our sacred union—the <laughs> <laughs> ultimate commitment—our ultimate commitment. Our ultimate commitment um, I understand that. Okay, we have to work. We have to work this out. So if we're having a fight, and I have that safety or that security of, you know, we're married and we're in this together, and we're gonna make whatever is going on work. We're gonna work through, committing to not just you but everything that comes with it. You know, I, I when you couldn't you put that up on a pedestal, like I can commit to buying a red car, but I could sell that car and get a black car. a so
0: you could, I mean, I think the, the way that you might look at it from a stoic perspective is though all commitments eventually end, right? Uh, at some point, let, let's say we're married for life. One of us is going to die. So the commitment then ends, right? So even if it's red car versus relationship, you know, if you're not placing significance on the type of commitment, then a commitment is a commitment is a commitment, Yeah. right? That's why I always laughed when you, are, you brought up this whole ultimate commitment thing, right? It's like, well, what's the difference between the ultimate commitment and just a regular commitment? It's like, does that mean that a regular commitment can be broken and there's, you know, nothing matters? Or is it just that the ultimate commitment is one of those things that you've assigned more significance to than perhaps the red car, for example, or the coffee versus the tea?
1: Well, it's almost like the ultimate commitment is that you've cut off, you've really cut off almost every opportunity of your sca- scapegoat out, you know? I'm cutting off, I'm committed to you, and there's only a few few things that could happen that would cut us off or cut off my commitment, which, like, in your example, death, do us part. Mm-hmm. I guess that that really is it. I mean, I, I I'm not going to be to attach to a material thing, I commit to, um, a job. If it's a career, I mean, I can change that career. I make that decision, but it's not, I don't know. Would you consider that important or what would you call it? Which part? There's certain, certain things that you commit to, you commit to running a race, right? Right. Um, okay. Is so that less, you know, less on the prior ti- you know, the priority list, mm-hmm or importance list, or what would you call it? Because there's certain things in your life, or do you just, you know, you just, a lot of times you're, you can be black and white. It's this or that. There's no varying degrees. And I, right. and I don't agree with that because I think there's different degrees.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a more stoic perception than you do when it comes to certain things like this. I mean, I think a commitment is a commitment. So for me, you know, whether we were married or not, if I told you that I was committed to you, I was committed to you, period. Like there's no sort of ultimate commitment that happens when we sign paperwork or make it official or legal or whatever phrase you want to use, right? It is what it is. And it's something that I chose into. So I think what you're getting at with the commitment speak is this idea of the games of life, right? Yeah. So marriage is a game of life. And as part of playing this game of life, you've got the board, the rules, the rules, Right, you've got the ones that you set up going into it. You've got the ones that are assumed in most cases. You and I, we sat down before we became exclusive and said, "This is the type of relationship that I want to create. This is what I expect from my partner. This is, you know, how I want uh, my partner to show up physically, financially. You know, um, what responsibility looks like. What honesty looks like." what commitment looks like. You know, we sat down, we had these conversations about what we wanted to build. And so for me, when I think about commitment, I just go back to our agreement going in, and I think of the definition that we created, which is just surrendering to what is required, right? So if the game of life is marriage, for example, then I think of it, okay, these are the rules to this game I chose into. I had not been married before, so I didn't know what being married was like. And so that is a choice that I'm making coming from nothingness, never having that experience previously. And that choice comes from freedom and I'm choosing in and I'm just going to surrender to what it takes to create the best possible relationship that I can with this woman that I've chosen to ask to marry to me. So I just think of it in, in those terms. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that commitment exists so long as the rules of the game are not broken. Right. If the rules of the game, like let's say infidelity, let's say you cheated on me or I cheated on you or, you know, I, let's say I ran off with all our money or I sold all our rental properties and ran off with all our money. and stole from you.
1: I'd hunt you down.
0: You'd hunt me down. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. So things like this would effectively end the relationship commitment because Mm. the game, the rules of the game were broken.
1: Yeah. The rules of the game are really the expectations that we set.
0: Exactly, and we get to negotiate those, which is kind of the big thing. I think you were getting at when you were talking about a decision and cutting off from, right? When you're choosing into any of the games of life, whether it's marriage or career or child rearing or whatever the thing is, those things all have that set of rules, and when those rules are broken or those assumptions, most people do make assumptions they won't have an agreement, a, a set or explicit agreement. They'll just assume that, oh, well, this partner's going to do that and that partner's going to do this. And then they wonder why they're unhappy, right? Well, because right. they don't know where the they don't know where the boundaries to the game are.
1: Well, I think they don't know the rules of the game. Yeah, playing
0: don't know the rules of the game. Yeah,
1: or someone changes the rules without the other one knowing. Right, right.
0: Yeah, I mean, all relationships come down to a value proposition, and when that value proposition is broken, or it's what's the what's the word? Maybe not broken, but jeopardized or infringed upon, maybe then at that point, that relationship is in, is in doubt because you've broken trust. You haven't fulfilled your obligations or created your, you know, your, you haven't fulfilled your, your agreement. Mm-hmm. And therefore there's this opportunity to have a discussion about, are you going to, <laughs> or is this what I can expect from you? Or, you know, going forward, are we going to, is this going to be my life where, you know, my expectations are constantly unmet? hmm But these are all just the games of life, like we're talking about, you choose into or you don't. And when you choose in, like you said, you're cutting off other options. Like, so when I married you, you know, I cut off the opportunity to go out with other women.
1: You sure did.
0: (laughs) 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 And that's something that I willingly walked away from because I'm more than happy with who I have, A. And B, there's something to be said for investing in an individual over a period of time and building a life with that person because the reality of it is, is if you are, you know, whether you're dating or married or, you know, a polygamist or whatever the thing is, there's always a set of rules, right? Right. It doesn't matter what sort of relationship in, you're always in a set of rules. So the set of rules I chose into the one that makes most sense for me is uh, the pair bond that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. So that's how I look at it. And that's where my frame of reference comes from.
1: Right. That's well said. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for communicating that. You put it in, in a in a good way. Well, I appreciate that. So, what else you got? <laughs> what else you got? What else you got? What else you got? Well, why don't you why don't you tell me? Tell you what? Um. So you you tell me what your goal is now. You set a target. Mm-hmm. Um. All of a sudden, you are the you know here you are becoming this different person in front of me. And so all let's talk sudden? about that. Not all of a all sudden. All of a sudden. It's like gradually, it's gradually, sudden. suddenly. Um, so you hated running. Mm-hmm. You always complain about not running. Yet you set a target to run. Yeah. A lot. Okay. In extreme conditions. Well, a lot for me. Uphill. Yeah. Yeah, a, a, you know, a lot compared to what you've ever done since we've known each other. Sure. And so now you've just come back from achieving your first spartan trifecta is that what they call it
0: that is what they call it
1: and you set a goal of completing three, three. Com- trifectas this year yes okay so what kind of mind you know what what kind of mind games or would you call it mind games what kind of um tools did you use while on the mountain you know in the fifth hour well, tell me like how are you, you know, you've achieved this great thing um, this past weekend in the cold mm-hmm. in, uh, what was the name of the mountain?
0: Uh, we were in Olympic village, which is Squaw Valley, Olympic village of Squaw Valley, just North of Lake Tahoe. Okay. Yeah.
1: So it's butt cold.
0: It was but cold. Yeah.
1: You're climatized to hot Arizona summers. Very much. You go over there. What, what the fuck? Like why? Why
0: do? You, what? Well, when I signed up for the race, I didn't. Know what the weather was going to be? Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's California, late summer. I figured, you know, hey, it's going to be decent weather. And the reality is that I had just come from Whistler two weeks prior, where I did a ten k up and down Blackcomb, and then a thirteen k super eight mile super up and down Blackcomb in freezing cold rain oh, fog.
1: Canada. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> It was <laughs> more like, oh, shit, Why Canada. are
1: you so cold? <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, and so then, you know, obviously we had gone, the plan was to go to Canada, visit your family, you know, see your best friend, your, visit your godson, and then I was going to drive your Jeep down, so we had a second vehicle here in the valley, and uh, so I, f- I'd, I went to Calgary by way of Vancouver, This Whistler is about, you know, 90 minutes from Vancouver, so... I went to Vancouver first, did those two races and those crazy, nasty temperatures and wet weather. And then I flew over to Calgary where you said it was sunny. And then when I got there, it was rainy and cloudy. Literally, and the shitty
1: clouds and cold weather was following you.
0: Exactly. And then so I drive south in the car. I'm home for not very long at all. And then that's where we picked up at the beginning of the podcast where I'm, I'm having to leave my warm, cozy bed you know, wanting to, to spoon up next to wifey here. And here I'm going off to California where the weather was supposed to be mild. And then a front came in and it literally shit sleet and snow on us, mm-hmm. um, dropped down into the thirties on top of the mountain. And it was crazy.
1: So what were you, what, what did you think about, you know, you're running in this race. Wh- what did you think about wh- wh- how, what helped you keep going?
0: So for me, it. Was about it's about expansion, right? So it's about finding limits. And I did a this was a beast, which is a 13 plus mile race. This one was about 14 miles or 13 and a half, 14 miles, something like that. And they can be anywhere from you know 13, 15, 16 miles, somewhere around in there. So I some friends from the gym were going to do did a, did the Big Bear Beast earlier in the year. I think it was May. If I remember correctly, it was the beginning of summer. And so we all went out there and I'm like, yeah, I'll just do one, you know, and I really didn't think that much about it because, uh, you know, you just go out there and you hike That's not a big deal, you know? And so I went out there sort of nonchalant, untrained, you know, really wasn't ready for the altitude or the weather or just the repetitive nature of climbing, you know, 30, 40, 50 degree inclines. For six miles straight so the first part of that race was literally an incline for six and a half miles and i was not ready for that whatsoever so i also made the mistake of choosing a afternoon start time and because i chose the afternoon start time i guaranteed myself a failure because i wasn't conditioned enough to get up the hill fast enough to beat the cutoff so i missed the cutoff to continue the race by like three or four minutes it was something some ridiculous short amount of time that I probably rested on the side of the hill, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that sort of stuck with me. I walked off that race defeated and but by the same token, not in an, not in a negative mindset, but in just a mindset of, okay, well, I found one of my limitations one of my limitations is I don't climb well. And this is not something I've trained for. So what did I do when I got home? I signed up for 12 races. <laughs> <laughs> And I just committed at that point. I'm like, all right, well, if these fuckers from the gym are going to finish, then there's no reason that I can't finish. And there's no reason that I can't, you know, commit to doing the longer races, the beast races. So if I'm going to do that, I might as well go for three trifectas, Mm. right? So that's what I did. That was my target. So I decided to go ahead and shoot for that. And the first trifecta came this past weekend with the completion of this uh, race, this beast in uh, North Lake Tahoe.
1: So, how many total races have you completed now?
0: I've done, uh, I think, eight, eight races. I did. I doubled up on a couple of races, so, so I went eight
1: races within a, what time frame?
0: Um, less than three months, something like ninety days, maybe somewhere around in there.
1: So, what are the you know top two lessons you've learned so far?
0: Um, the biggest thing is just you know, no one gives a shit about how you feel about the conditions. And the conditions don't give a shit about how you feel about the conditions. So at the end of the day, you know, it's about the way you see where you are. Because complaining isn't going to get the work done. So at the end of the day, it's the biggest lesson is, okay, A, do your best to be prepared. And B, and there's no whining on the course. You just do the work. The end.
1: You can't do the work and whine a little bit?
0: No. No. I mean, because think about it. It's like if you get to the point where you're... Your self talk goes negative and you're halfway through the race. Like for me, uh, not being a runner, one of the things that I'm experiencing really badly coming downhill, where I should be going faster, is I have a lot of pain in my right knee. And it's not because my knee is damaged, it's just my knees are weak and untrained. And because they're weak and untrained, coming downhill actually hurts. Mm. So I find myself going slower than I should downhill. So, you know, at the end of the day, when I'm when I'm looking at where I'm going, um, physically, that's one of the things that I found another limitation. It's like, okay, well first limitation was I can't climb for shit. I need to work on that. Second limitation is when I do climb and come down, my knees hurt. So I need to work on that. Right. So I'm learning all these different limitations around my physical body that I never knew before. Mm -hmm. And those are points of progress point A's that I can use to create visions toward point B's, right? So now when I go into a race, I have a goal of being a better climber. You know, I don't want to stop and rest on the climbs. I want to keep moving. When I'm coming down, I want to be able to run down, not have to walk down in pain, Mm -hmm. right? So these are just little targets that I'm setting for myself as I go through. And it's fun because over the last two or three races, uh, going up and coming down, it's been fun to just pass people, you know? younger, like people younger than me, you know, people who've trained more than me and I'm, I'm able to, you know, at 46 years old, you know, like the last race I finished, I finished with a 28 year old who was having trouble on the mountain, you know, and this just points to, I think the state of basically the general population, because you have a lot of people out there who just don't take it seriously or even don't even take it recreationally seriously and end up just putting themselves in a, a situation where they're they're just there to see if they can finish, mm-hmm. and it's just a suffer fest all the way through right, right. so I want to get to the point where for me i have I have proficiency in getting up and down the hills, and I know if I can do that quickly, then running on flat ground is not going to be an issue mm-hmm. right
1: so if you were to use the race as a metaphor to life, yeah what's the lesson
0: I mean you can pick any athletic pursuit and create metaphors to life. It's all the same, whether you're playing football or basketball or
1: what's it to you from these races?
0: Well, for me, it is just remembering that there's, there's a time limit, right? So just like you and I, we've talked about this a lot, like what do we want to create over the course of our lives, right? There's a time limit that we have to do that. And we don't get to extend it under any circumstances. So best make the best of it, you know, make hay while the sun shines, like we say in the South, right? And so the other piece to that is, okay, if there's a time limit, you know, how much can I accomplish in the short time limit that I do have? And in what condition am I going to do that? Right? So if I'm, if I realize that life is short and that there's a time limit and every day that I live, I'm creeping one day closer to that, to that final day. It's the same way with the race. Every step I take, I'm one step closer to the finish right? And it's going to end. So if I'm having a great time, it's going to end. If I'm having a shitty time, it's going to end, right? There's people that you meet along the way that need your help. There's going to be times when you need help and you you know, all of these people that you pass or that have passed you, you know what? You just might need to converse with them to, you know, share resources, build one another up, you know, help each other through a tough spot. You know, I mean the, I think the parallels never end. Honestly, Mm -hmm. you could literally sit here and pair it out all night but the time limit is the big thing and what you want to create is the big thing, right? Cause here's the thing. If let's say, for example, they're closing the course at 8 PM. All right. And you started the, you start your race at, I don't know, let's say you start at 1130 in the morning, right? Well, if you're good at what you do and you are, you know, becoming proficient and becoming a master of the thing that you want to be, then you could literally run that course three or four times between the time that you start and the time that they close the course. Mm -hmm. So how much more life is that person getting out of the experience than the person who's suffering and slogging and really just hating every inch of it? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, what do you want? Do you want a life where you're suffering and slogging along? Or do you want a life where you can go fast and have more experiences? Right. You know, I mean, for me, that's a pretty easy answer. So I think I think that the parallels are just never ending.
1: So when you were in BC at Whistler, yeah. You ran the race mm-hmm. and you finished it. And then you were like, uh, eh, I might as well just run it again. At what point did you make the decision that you were gonna race it twice?
0: Well, I raced Calgary twice.
1: What oh, was it Calgary? Oh, I mixed yeah. that up.
0: I raced Calgary twice and then the following day I came back and did a super, which is eight miles, in Whistler, I did the 10k the first day and came back and did the super, which is the 13k, on the second day.
1: Right. So it was in Calgary. So you you yeah. you ran the race and then you're like you ran it again. Yeah. In and it was a shitty weather and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So went, at what point did you decide I'm going to do this twice? Did did you decide that in the beginning or did you finish once and then you're like ah, there's still more time I'm going to do it again?
0: Again, it was just about for me, it was just about a test, right? Again, not being a runner, like running a mile is, you know, for me was like a long distance. So uh, a four mile race up and down hills with, you know, 15 or 20 obstacles to go over was not trivial, right? It was not something that I could just sneeze at. I mean, I could finish it, obviously, because you can just walk it, right? But it's not something that I would just go in untrained and, and put up an awesome score, right? Right. So I did it the second time just to prove to myself that I could do twice as much in the same day.
1: So when did you decide you were going to do it again? Uh, before I ever
0: even started.
1: So you <laughs> knew before you started, you were like, I'm going to do uh, this twice. Uh, exactly. So you didn't decide in the middle of the first time or at the end of the first time that you're going to do it again. Right. You knew from the beginning. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this one twice.
0: No, it, and this is this is a great, actually, this is a really good question because and I actually recorded a video on this on the drive up to Whistler in the truck. Um, when you wait to the last second to decide what you're doing is you're creating opportunity to fail. You're creating opportunity to quit because you, you have to negotiate with yourself when you are wounded and tired, right? right? When your mind is tired, when your body is hurting, you have to negotiate with yourself and that's the wrong time to negotiate with yourself. You want to negotiate with yourself when you're fresh, And you want to make up your mind by projecting into the future how it's going to feel and go ahead and answer all of those questions before you start. So before I started, I already knew that no matter how cold I was and no matter how muddy I was, (laughs) that I was going to do it again. And I had already negotiated with myself. I'd already given myself all the objections. Oh, well, you're going to be, you don't like being dirty and you're going to be covered in mud. Cause they had like five or six mud pits. Oh, well you're going to be cold because it was sprinkling rain. You're going to be hungry. You know, there's, you're out in the middle of this field. There's no food anywhere except for bananas. Right. You're going to be this, you're going to be that. Right. And so I gave myself all those objections before I started. And then I said, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to be. And that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. that's exactly how I'm going to feel and that's okay right? And so I did those eight miles. I did two, four mile races to create the eight miles and then came back the next day and did eight more miles. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. You set up the expectations and then all you had to do was manage that ex- the, the, that expectation. You didn't have to come up with a new one in the middle of the time that you had been ready to get off the course.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have to realize how monkey-like humans are, right? I mean, we're we're not the smartest creatures on the planet as much as we like to think that we're just the cat's meow. I mean, the reality of it is, is most human beings give into their emotions 100% of the time and they live a life of reaction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm no different from anyone else. You know, I get emotional. I get, uh, you know, I get defeated at times. This is something I've been dealing with a lot lately. As you, as you know, as you and I have continued to take on more and more responsibilities and continue to build, and grow our lifestyle, our, you know, our rental property portfolio, our businesses, all the rest of it, you and your career, you've taken on a, a lot of responsibility in your career. So, I mean, you know how it is. You know how you get defeated. You get to th- this place where the results don't seem to match your energetic output, and it's easy to just feel overwhelmed and like nothing's ever going to happen for you. Mm-hmm. So you have to deal with that in a way that's positive. And the only way that I know to do that is to separate the feeling from the moment. And, you know, the way that I do that is I just get, I go within, you know, just a quick little meditation. I just remind myself that I'm not how I'm feeling. I am not my feelings. I am not overwhelmed. I am not fear. You know, I am not doubt. I am what I do at the end of the day. So if I throw my hat in the ring and I do this fucking race, no matter how miserable it is, then I won. And that ego side, that lower self loses, and every time that happens, you know, I gain trust within myself. And when I gain trust within myself, then I have the power on tap that I can use to create other more bigger and better outcomes.
1: So do you say that's how you generate power in your life?
0: It's one of the ways for sure. You know, it's one of the ways for sure. And, and this comes back to our relationship, too. You know, I think it's been well documented that people in a committed relationship are willing to take more risks and put themselves out there uh, in a, in a more, I guess you'd say more vulnerable manner because they know that at the end of the day, they're going to have some support. They're going to have a bit softer place to land if the shit hits the fan. So in the context of our relationship, that's one of the roles and one of the values that you bring, you know, and I don't know how many times I've come to you and said, Hey, this is how I'm feeling today. And you're just like, suck it up, you know, go move your ass, you know? And then there's other times when I'm saying, you know, Hey, this is how I'm feeling today. And you're like, I get it, you know, you know, and you're giving me what I need in the moment based on what your interpretation of my my mental state is. Right. Right. And then I do the same thing for you. Right. And so having the perspective to realize that you are not what you th- what you're thinking, but that you are what you're doing. That is huge. And that's power right there.
1: Right. So how do you how do you break free? So I'm going to share, you know, a vulnerable story. Sure. On your behalf. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Right? So you're literally just finished doing a beast, getting a trifecta, right? you accomplished these great things. You're on the mountain. You're still there. You haven't flown home yet. We're on the phone. And you tell me how you feel like you've accomplished nothing. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? How is that even possible? Yeah. So how, why, and, you know, I've done it myself, but why... What is the thought process that caused you to feel like you didn't accomplish anything? When your actions clearly showed you, when your actions were like the actual result there, you've accomplished more than many people have ever accomplished. I mean, if you were to compare, but I mean, really that comparison thing doesn't play, but what, why? What thought process is it? (laughs) Is it a thought process? Is it... Where did that feeling come from? Why was that? Why did that come up for you? So it's so close to finishing the race. Yes. Uh, yeah.
0: So like the question, I guess, is you just did something great and you're feeling good about that yesterday. Why are you in a shitty mood today? Or why are you down on yourself today? Right. Something like that. Yeah. And I, this is one of those things that is, I think, often swept under the rug. I mean, just because you had success yesterday you know, or you did something great yesterday doesn't mean that that lasts forever. You know, I think people think that, oh, well, if I, you know, I make uh, 10 grand this week, then, you know, oh, you know, everything's perfect for the rest of my life. And then it's like, okay, well, that was last week. Now it was two weeks ago. And that's three weeks ago. And then and now all of a sudden it's been a couple of weeks since you made 10 grand, right? And you start to maybe doubt your skills or your abilities. You know, the, the point is that no matter what you've done, there's always going to be something to trigger some form of the lower self within you. Right. And it takes time for me. I'll speak for me personally. I'm sure other people have a different methodology and a different experience, but when something creates or reminds my lower self to sort of take control, it takes me a little while to get perspective and to rein it back in, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So the day before we spoke, I was on cloud nine, finished the race, adverse conditions, trifecta, you know, there with friends, the whole nine, right? Everything was great. But then that morning I had gone back to Reno and this, this was just, I think, triggered by an environmental sort of view of the world, right? So I have a very low opinion of casinos and gambling. That's just, I don't think it's a good idea to throw your money away Especially going into a place where you already know the odds are rigged against you and to still, you know, throw your money away. So I had, you know, I was going to fly out the next morning. I was there by myself because I was exploring around North Lake Tahoe. So I've, so I drove back into Reno and I had a, I just had to get a quick room last minute, right? So I stopped in and I got a room at the Sands, which is like this old casino, like from back in the day, right? Mel's Diner from like 1926 is part of it, you know, it's, it's a staple in that area. It's been there for years and you walk in and it's like any old school casino, you know, there's cigarette smoke filling the air. And even though they have, you know, a non-smoking wing or a tower that's non-smoking, you know, you're, you still get a whiff of it there here and there, you know, and it, it sort of just reminds you that people are literally damaging themselves on purpose. It's like, we, you know, the science has been back on this for a little while, guys. we we're still just going to keep smoking, right? And so as I walk through the casino to get to the tower elevator, I'm walking around and one of the people that I see is like this six foot six dude who was there with his, his elderly mother. And you could tell that his prospects, you know, were not on the rise, you know. And uh, he's looking at his mom, asking, asking his mom, you know, hey, mom, how much money you got left, you know? And uh, you got like 126 bucks, you know, and who knows, it's probably grocery money. I don't know, but I'm seeing this and I'm seeing these people basically piss their resources away, piss their health away and do it willingly. And so I, this sort of darkness came over me and I was like, holy shit, you know, like this is really what people do with their, their time and their money. This is really how people treat themselves. It's really how people treat their lives. And so the whole way up to the room, I'm just thinking about this. I'm up on the 14th floor, right? And I'm thinking about this and thinking about this, and I'm like, wow. And then it put me in this negative mind space. So then that morning I woke up and there was construction going on, you know, jackhammers and all the rest of it. I'm I'm up early, I went to bed with these thoughts. I woke up sort of suddenly with all the construction noise, people in the hallway, and uh, I was just irritated. You know, I was just, I felt, uh, it was like I was taking on other people's defeat in a, in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. And then I projected that out into my own life. I'm like, okay, well, I haven't yet done this and I haven't yet completed that. And I've squandered this much time over here and I've got this to do and I'm dealing with overwhelm with this project. And I'm, you know, I've got this thing going on and this amount of money is flowing out of the business and this amount of money is, is, isn't coming into the business. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing all of these mental gymnastics to try and justify and make myself right about the way I'm feeling. Right. Right. And so then you and I get on the phone and then at that point it was kind of like at the peak, you know, and I hate to use the word triggered because it's become such a political useless term. But these, that experience of that environment triggered my mindset to go in this place of humans hurting themselves. And I projected that out into like, I was hurting myself, Mm -hmm. right. Or I wasn't being all of me. I wasn't, I wasn't being at my best. And because of that, you know, I allowed myself to spiral down that negative rabbit hole and it took me a little while to get it back. And it's just, it just points to how much environment and, and who you associate with impacts how you show up in the world. Right. And here I am, I'm someone who knows this. Like I know that I know how this works. I know that my environment impacts me. I know the people I associate with impact me. I know how to meditate. I know how to separate my thoughts from my reality, you know, and here I am, falling victim to it and then all of a sudden well maybe I don't know what I think I know you know Mm. maybe I'm not good at this stuff maybe I'm just a fraud maybe I shouldn't say anything to anyone else about how they develop their mindset you know right it just spiraled out from there but all it was was it was just something that I it was a negative situation or thought that I took on and then I multiplied it with all the stories I was telling myself about like this guy stealing from his mom and these people hurting themselves with smoking and, and hurting them themselves and their families financially by pissing their money away. Mm-hmm. And even though it was none of my business, I was taking it on because I just I felt it. You know what I mean?
1: So did that all just come to you right now from the question or did you reflect on that journal on it? And was, did that just come through right now?
0: It was crystallized the following morning when I was leaving, mm-hmm. right? When I was leaving and those, some of those same people you could tell had been there all night, right? Wow. They would literally been there all night mm-hmm. and I just, I can't fathom that. Right. Because you know how I am. Like I, you know, every dollar that we make, I want to multiply, you know, every opportunity we have to invest, okay. I want to invest and to see people just pumping money into slot machines and, you know, losing money to the house where again, you know, going in that the house has the odds in their favor, even if it's slightly tipped in their favor, it's still in their favor. And you might win a little bit. You might win, you know, once in a blue moon, there might be a big winner. But there's a reason those places just are coated in sadness. And so when I left the lobby that morning, it, it was crystallized for me. It's like, you know what? I should never have been here. I should have stayed somewhere else because I took on the way that I was feeling about that situation. And again, these are stories I'm making up. Like For all I know, these people were all rich, healthy, and were happy, right. happily married. But looking at them, it didn't look that way, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm pretty sure that, that they're not any of those things. But I don't well, know for sure. I don't know. I don't know for this sure. you being right?
1: prejudiced there.
0: I am, right? I'm casting, I'm, I'm looking at it through my lens, mm-hmm. right? And that's the only lens that I have in that moment. So, you know, it doesn't mean that these people that I'm looking at and, and sort of gauging where they are, it doesn't mean that they deserve judgment, right? But by the same token, it doesn't mean that that I should stand by and support a business that supports tearing people down or or taking from people financially or physically, which is what the way I view that industry. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not glamorous at all as much as you'd like to think it is. It's the same reason I don't like Vegas, you know, or these other places that are all glitz and glam on television. But then you get there and it's just sand. It's just sadness is really what it is. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Great stuff.
0: <laughs> so I don't know if that answered your question. I It's kind of a long way around.
1: It was great. I think that people can couldn't, couldn't relate to it. I, I mean, I, I can relate to that. The casino piece
0: or just the story uh, A in little
1: bit of the casino piece, the story, all yeah. of it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. In what way?
1: Just uh, how, you know, th- the environment. I think about when just this last trip back to Calgary, I have, you know, been living at my parents' house for for a long time now, but I did live with them for a long time. And um, them and their bickering and even just, uh, I wasn't used to my mom, you know, how she, <laughs> she's, she, you could say she yells um, You could or say bickers, that. you know, <laughs> uh, some people might say she's yelling and some people might say, well, she's Italian. She's just how they talk. <laughs> um, and I, I had gotten used to the peace in our own home that that we have. And so I really got this like anxious feeling or this, you know, I started becoming really short and I was almost like absorbing what was happening in the environment. And I I was feeling agitated and, and stressed out and I allowed that to sort of overcome me and I didn't like how I was feeling. Um, being in that environment and and I realized how grateful I am for my home and my environment and the peace that I have and the you know the order the order I want to say the order that you know you've been a big part of helping me create in my life even though you would say there's still lots of chaos because of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I just grew up in a chaotic environment, really. And yeah. um, so yeah, I could totally relate to, you know, how you could have taken on that that environment and almost morphed, morphed your thoughts and feelings. Yeah, for sure. And then just projecting it. So, you know, I, I was being short when you were over and we're sleeping together in my... Bedroom that I had for years in the basement of my parents' house, and it's just, it was just weird.
0: Yeah, to hear them uh, bickering upstairs, arguing the upstairs, the noise and the noise, the,
1: the, yeah, the clutter and the all, oh, yeah. all the chaos that at one point was just normal for me.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how perspectives change when your environment changes, and then what you have to overcome to create what you you know, what you would normally create. So for example, in your parents' home, like my morning routine was very difficult to create because to meditate, being highly sensitive to audio stimulus, like the noise in the house was very difficult for me to overcome, to like, you know, go into that place where I just meditate for five or 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. you know? Or I could imagine trying to study or read, you know, when you've got this background noise of people bickering, or footsteps, or whatever the thing is, and then not being able to get through that, you know, right, and I could, I could picture you as a young girl, you know, doing your best to overcome that, you know, to, to get schoolwork done, or whatever the thing was, you know, Mm -hmm. and of course, I could relate to that, because it's the same way in my, my parents' household, you know, my mom and my dad liked to scream and yell, that was their form of communication, and my brother and I were generally caught in the middle of it, so, and we did, and the same thing, we had bedrooms downstairs, so we could hear the footsteps and hear them going at it through mm. the vents upstairs and all this, all the rest of it.
1: Well, actually, growing up for me, my parents were never home.
0: Oh, yeah. Right? So, so you had the house to yourself. I did have the house to myself. Yeah.
1: And it was quiet most times. Um, a lot of times I craved or wanted my my parents to be home mm. until I got to a certain age, my teenage years, where I was... I was the cool kid that had no parents at home. <laughs> and uh we had all sorts of fun parties and getting into certain shenanigans because no, no parents were around. Yeah, for sure. But my mom was just always at the restaurant.
0: Right. Yeah. How old were were you when your mom started the restaurant? Four. You were four. And then she how old were you when she let go of it? Thirty four. Okay, so literally thirty years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing.
1: I, yeah. Long time,
0: yeah, definitely. Yep. Long time, yeah.
1: So that was life as I knew it. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Crazy stuff. It mm? Go ahead.
1: I was gonna say, so we kind of jumped uh, and had a random conversation, starting down one path and then going down another. But I think we've had a fun conversation here tonight.
0: Yeah, well, that's what connecting is all about, right? Doesn't ma- doesn't have to flow in any particular direction. Just mm-hmm. has to, you know, create some connection. You and I, we were. You know we've been separated for much of our relationship so you know for a long time it was phone calls and then visits right and then i would go up there for months on end and you would come down here when you could and then you know the last couple of weeks it's been interesting because we've been together almost every day for 18 mm-hmm. months since you immigrated here so to have that time apart felt really strange mm-hmm. you know
1: it felt good i liked having a alone time but at the same time I almost missed you more than when I was away from you for four months at a time or a couple months, I guess not four months. We were never really that, that long apart, but you know, eight weeks would be about the max. We would be apart. And yeah. Then six or eight weeks back yeah. together again.
0: Yeah. No, it's the same thing. I think it just comes down to those habits you fall into, you know, or I guess it's not really a habit. Well, I guess it is a way of life, a lifestyle you fall into where, you know, you're accustomed to seeing your spouse yeah. Versus not being accustomed to seeing your spouse. Okay, well, okay, this is a little strange.
1: Well, yeah, I, you know, when I was in Calgary, my aunt, my uncle got sick, and he went to the hospital. And my aunt and my uncle have been married. Well, gosh, they, they must be on, like, approaching 60 years together. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, my aunt was hurting, I could tell, and she would, you know, she would go to the hospital Sleep the night, go home about midday, freshen up, sleep one night at home, and then go back to the hospital. And you know, he- hearing her talk about being, you know, she was scared to be at home. And you know, for her, for so many years, she's together, they're together at home. They've lived this life together. They don't have any kids. Um, and she doesn't drive. And she doesn't drive. She never so has. She, she's got <laughs> to rely on you know friends and family to help her. Um, when he's not around, because he was, you know, he took care of her and drove, drove around and that sort of thing. But now, you know, they've been retired for some time and just living together, always doing everything together, always being together. And so them imagining, you know, what that would be like, mm-hmm. how scary that could be um, to all of a sudden not have that, you know, a life partner around um, and the adjustment. You know, it makes sense to me when I think about, how you know they always say like you know one one person dies and then you know shortly afterwards the other the other half ends up passing on too It's mm-hmm. almost like their their heart's so broken or the life that they knew it they've kind of give up and uh and pass on for whatever reason um it, i don't know how that you know this conversation went down this way but <laughs> um just the whole idea of, you know, missing each other and getting used to being together. Yeah. Um, I guess that's still kind of fresh in my mind from my visit and, um, you know, uh, spending a little bit of time with my aunt.
0: Yeah, sure. I think that there's truth to that. You know, I think it comes down to, I think people romanticize it, right? They make it about the partner or the last cat or whatever the thing is, right, that leaves the person alone. But I think it really just comes down to purpose, you know, right now, the, you know, your aunt and uncle, their purpose is each other, mm-hmm. you know, and you can see that when, you know, your uncle was in the hospital and your aunt relied on him, right? And it's a need-based it's, it's need thing rather than a want-based thing, right? Which I think is an interesting sort of a situation because I know that when you and I started talking about exclusivity in our relationship and going into marriage, it was about what we wanted, not what we needed. Like, I didn't need anything from you. You didn't need anything from me. We were coming together to create a stronger entity. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but that's, I think, I think that's an exception rather than the rule. I think a lot of people come together out of need rather than what they want. And then that creates weakness in the relationship. So for your aunt, yeah, like she needs him, like, especially up there where it's cold nine months out of the year and she can barely get around. Right. Who's going to take her around if he's not around? Right. That's going to fall on your parents probably. Because They have no kids. Right. And your parents are getting up there, too. So what's she going to do? Like, she needs him to be there. Right. Right. So it kind of makes me wonder what her purpose would be if he's not there, because her purpose right now is basically to take care of him when he's around. Right. And vice versa.
1: Yeah. Cycle of life. Cycle <laughs> of life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is this, the Lion King all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> That's the circle of life. <laughs> oh circle of life, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I guess not. you could
1: call it circle of life.
0: Circle of life. Cycle of life.
1: All right. Well, it's uh approaching bedtime. My f- well, uh, yeah. if I had my Fitbit, but my Fitbit broke, damn Fitbit, um mm. it would in j- ten minutes it'd be telling me that it was time to get to bed. <laughs>
0: All right, I guess that's our cue to, to cut it off tonight, huh?
1: That's the cue.
0: All right, well, I appreciate uh, you taking time to reconnect.
1: Yeah, it was nice to chat with you.
0: Yeah, for sure. Let's get off this and maybe we can connect in a different way.
1: You gonna massage my feet? Never. You gonna massage my shoulders? Mm, maybe. For like an hour?
0: Uh, Minus like. Fifty nine or fifty eight (laughs) minutes. Come on, what does it take? I would like to renegotiate our marriage contract.
1: (laughs) Part of that is going to be at least a fifty nine minute massage.
0: Yeah, no, not every other day. Not on a Tuesday night at ten p.m. No, that's not going to happen.
1: It's not ten p.m. It's nine fifty. It's almost
0: ten p.m. It's almost bedtime, like you said. Just do it. You're gonna have to get you have to get that in earlier.
1: I gotta like pull teeth to get freaking... see if I set this expectation up in the beginning, mm-hmm. would you have agreed to it?
0: Uh well, who knows, right? It's impossible to travel so back in time.
1: How do we renegotiate things here?
0: Renegotiate this just like we renegotiate everything else. Just <laughs> bring it up and let's talk about it. All right. It's not hard.
1: Let's let's uh have that save that <laughs> how <laughs> For that the next conversation family meeting. goes in the next in the next podcast.
0: Next family meeting. Or next, you want to do it publicly on podcast? Re- <laughs> renegotiate your, your yeah. massage timings? <laughs> yeah. Yeah?
1: Yeah, we could do that. It'd oh, be okay. Fun. Yeah. Well, maybe. maybe you'd say yes to
0: more. You think so? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we'll do that then.
1: I need every strategy I can get.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that would be taking transparency to a whole new level. So I'm all for it. Got nothing to hide, right? Mm. Cool deal. All right, babes. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, like I said, to uh, to connect. It's good to to be back at home.
1: Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Well I th- want to push one of those buttons, though.
0: Thanks for interviewing me. Oh, you want to push one of the buttons? Yeah. Well, let me turn the... Go ahead. Push a button. Okay.
1: Oh, I can't hear. I forgot. I don't know the earphones. That's right. Which one's that? Right? I don't know. That's it. Oh, that
0: one. That's, That's the,
1: the, the perfect large. one for our conversation. <laughs> Will he actually massage my feet? <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, it's not going to happen. I don't do feet. You know that. I know. All right. Well, guys, uh, appreciate you guys tuning in, and uh, hopefully you picked up a couple nuggets from the conversation that we had tonight. We definitely do this regularly, especially when we you know, have been apart for a while. We take time to reconnect, and we generally connect best around some of the more difficult topics. Would you say that's accurate? I would say that. Yeah, we have a lot of deep conversations around that. So maybe uh, you picked up a few nuggets uh, in this particular conversation. I hope you did. And um, hopefully you can apply those in your life and in your relationships. And with that said, on behalf of Wifey, Christina, we'll say goodnight. Hope to see you guys in the next episode. And uh, we should be getting back to normal here pretty soon with the interviews. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Good night. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys, and if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing, and by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, and if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or Pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.